all that time in front of a screen got you feeling out of shape? Yeah! Worried you don't have the necessary skills to make it in today's fast-paced bar fights? Yeah! yeah. Are you tired of being the goon that gets kicked out of a plate glass window instead of the goon doing the kicking? Yeah! Well, for just a few easy payments, you can get Putting the Art in Martial Arts with Art, my over 50 tape at home workout and self-defense lesson plan to get you fighting fit. So, Art, can you give us a quick, super simple version of, say, how to throw a punch? Like, dumb it down, because we don't know anything, and it's a podcast. Sure. Step number one, keep your fist away from your own face. Step number two, make a fist with your fingers rolled up. Step number three, extend the arm. Okay, so like this. Ah! Oh, feels pretty good to me, Art. So if I'm understanding you correctly, let's say I want to do some serious damage. Jamie, what are you I do something trying? like this. No! Perfect, Jamie, perfect. See, I always thought you wanted to punch someone like this. That's awesome, Josh. Yeah, great. But I want you to try it again. No. This time, widen your stance a little, and I'd recommend rotating your hips a little like this. Got it, got it. So, like this? No, 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 no. It's like this. This? No, aren't you listening? It's like this. Oh, Art, why? Oh, I get it. Like this. There you go. Yeah, like this. Like this. Watch. My turn again. Woohoo! Thanks, Art Camacho. Great job, guys. I think it's time to move on to the next lesson. Just let us have this, man. Today on Video High, we'd like to welcome PM Stalwart, director, writer, actor, stuntman, martial artist, Mr. Art Camacho, director of Gangland, Recoil, Little Bigfoot, The Magic Within, tons of great movies. We're excited to talk to him. So are you still are you still like throwing yourself out of windows and everything? Or like are we still doing full stunts? No, no, you're fighting, fighting. I oh, love, fighting. love fighting. Oh, I nice. love, you, you know what it is? Choreography and stunt fighting to me is therapy. When when COVID first hit and all the gyms closed, I gotta tell you, I was it caught me flat footed. I wasn't prepared because I really don't have a home gym per se. I didn't. Now I do, but I would I was going through clinical depression, physicality. I mean, to me, I, I tell you, man, it's it, it's a necessity. It's like breathing. If I don't work out for six days, most of the time, seven days a week, I'm, I'm a mess. Even if it's just running a few miles or, or kicking or punching. Just a, or, few, just a few, few miles. miles. <laughs> I am not cut out for stunt world. <laughs> uh, you know, I was going, uh, thinking of this interview, I was trying to remember all the uh, weird, it was, Gangland was one of the weirdest movies I've ever worked on. <laughs> do tell no way. Yeah. i mean what a what a place to start <laughs> the, the, the way i enjoy it is, is you have to smoke a joint turn down the lights and then kick back <laughs> all right okay yeah. well yes that is we're now transitioning this podcast what strain is the perfect pairing with <laughs> let's talk about it i always enjoyed a nice strawberry cough with uh, <laughs> the coolio iced tea scene i'm glad you're talking to us i mean gagland is it's a it's a it's a 
it's a trip by itself. You can even stone cold sober, you walk out feeling a little, a little buzzed. Oh yeah, riding that high. We were riding that high yes. all night. That movie. Yeah. So so how did you get? involved with something like gangland and and dominion in entertainment in general i had done some some uh, a project or two with dave defalco and then we did point doom and the funny thing about point doom is is uh, that uh you know i saw it and i thought you know what it's a great story the script needs a lot of work but great story and then when it got richard and and, uh, and andrew dice clay and angie everhart my god it was it was great dice is such a darn good actor man I yeah. uh, I edited on uh, his television show actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. him and Mickey Rourke going together wow. in a scene in a scene, and both wanted to basically outact the other because they only had to kind of stick to the script for the scene, and so they're just like <laughs> going at it, coming up with different wow. like anecdotes to just throw. Them. We're like we've wow. gone so far off the rails, and it was great. <laughs> well, you know what? Funny thing that you mentioned that because that's what we were doing on, on Point Doom. With the, and again, we'll get to Gangland, but Point Doom, I had Richard Greco. Again, you know, DeFalco, I respect the heck out of anybody that gets films going. He's very creative, but he sometimes goes off the deep end when it comes to writing scripts. Great concepts, <laughs> but scripts need a lot of work. So what we would do, just exactly what you said with, with Greco and, um, and and Dice, since Dice didn't want to be on the set longer than he needed to be. <laughs> We had an arrangement. I said, you know what? I'll tell you what. You come to the set prepared. And I swear to God, the minute you step on the set, less than five minutes, we're shooting you. We shoot you out. We shoot your close-ups and all this stuff. In the in the trailer, him and Greco with a lot of their scenes and the makeup, uh, not the makeup, uh, the, uh, the script supervisor. And I'd say, okay, here's the parameters. Here's where we're going. Here's where we're coming from the scene. And this is what I need out of the scene. Whatever you guys do. I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> Get there. Walk <laughs> them up, man. He, he, he doted. I'd look at the notes. I'd say, you know, every now and then. It was 90%, you know, great. Then I'd, you know, tweak a little bit. Then great. Let's go. Let's roll it. Shoot. Get out. Dice. Go back to your family. God bless you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, man. It's so funny looking at your filmography and, and looking at the, like, list of people you've worked with because everyone is this like seasoned veteran character actor like these beautiful people that just can come in and and just rock a scene and then immediately turn off and go home like that must be such a wild feeling to as a director to go on set and just be like I know that every time like everything these people are going to give me is going to be solid gold (laughs) yeah Absolutely. Don't want to get off base, but Martin Cove, you know, Cobra Kai, I'm so excited for him because he's a good buddy of mine for years. And it was the same thing with him. Whenever I do any films with him, especially one of the last ones I did was, I think, Assassin X was for Sony Pictures. He would come so prepared, so prepared to the set. And he would just, you know, knock it out of the park. And as a director, I, I would cheat a lot because basically I'm, I'm just a traffic cop when I work with a lot of these guys. You know, I'm just kind of, I just watch and enjoy it, you know? If you're a traffic cop, does that mean that you're going to get the shit kicked out of you? And like, like... Every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> at some point, you're going to have to dodge out of the way of a car at the very yeah. least. Oh, yeah. yeah, if it's a PM movie, he comedically dodges out of the way of a car that crashes through a plate of glass. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I do film car recoil. I had a serious situation with my first assistant director, the guy that runs the set. And so we have our two big days, a big day where we're actually doing a inside the bank, sort of like heat, the movie heat, shooting up the yeah. bank. Outside, I have guys throwing grenades, shooting, cars blowing up, cops shooting, fighting. And then we're stopping traffic at the same time because we're shooting downtown LA. So I got one street I blocked off, two every 90 seconds, like, you know, we got to talk, tell the cops to hold the traffic, sit outside, sit inside. So 
I'm inside, action, cut, shooting, blah, blah, blah. Okay, reset. I run outside, boom, okay, throw the explosion, boom, the car you know, goes up, guys go flying. <laughs> I had to fire my AD that day. He was <laughs> so terrible. I had warned him several times because he's very abusive towards the people. I'm abusive, but not in that way. I don't, I, I would never ever insult you personally. Right. I will push you. I will cuss. I will, you know, get really up. Spiritually, he yeah. insult yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I fire him. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to take my second AD. So now I got no assistance on the set. I take their walkies. I put them on my thing. I'm, I'm literally running, running two major sets, blow up, shoot us, calling cops. I swear to God, man. <laughs> in downtown LA, which is not, not the most stressful place in the world. Uh. <laughs> keep the away. Keep the gangbangers away. The cops have to stop the traffic. Come on, let's go. Okay, and actually shoot. The next car's blowing up. I tell you, you talk about rushes. That that is the biggest rush I've ever had. Man. Did you did you make the day that day? Did we? Oh hell yeah! And to think, all it would have taken a viewer to have seen such a beautiful mastery of two sets is like two dollars for four days and three nights back in the day. Like <laughs> people don't realize how good they had it in the nineties. Those were the golden years, man. Those, you know, I, I would be doing, so I was doing like 13 films a year. I was either be choreographing, I'd be doing stunts. I'd be, you know, directing a TV series. I'd be shooting a film, you know, my God, it was, it, yeah, I had, you, I had no idea how good it was. I mean, now, thank God, I mean, I'm very blessed. I'm still, again, producing and directing a lot more. But in those, it was just fun. It was just fun, you know? Just, you didn't think of tomorrow. You didn't, you just thought of, okay, can I make it when the guy kicks my ass? Can I, you know, can I get <laughs> Well, it does, it does sort of raise the question, right? Because you made so many films with PM and you seemingly have carried a lot of those contacts forward with you. Like it feels like you guys are like a bunch of friends making movies. Somehow somebody was able to figure out the budget and you guys were just going totally wild. And it seems like you had it for a long time. Like, is that the, was that the vibe? It was, it was kind of the vibe because you talk to the distributors. Okay. Who do you like? And then amongst my friends, I pick, okay, he likes this guy, and this guy, and this guy. And I worked some of the baddest guys on, on the planet from, you know, whether it's Randy Couture, you know, Rampage, Don the Dragon Wilson, Benny Rikidis. My God, but I, you know, and I look back now, it's like, holy crap. At any point, these guys could have beat the shit out of me, man. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. You were all you were on the cover of uh, of, of martial arts magazines. Like we're not. You weren't a small guy. Like, and I, and I say this very seriously. From this fat kid with low self esteem, a victim of being bullied all his life growing up, to be doing what I was doing and what I'm doing now is it's it's an amazing. It's an amazing. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not a big guy. I'm not a small guy. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm paying my bills and doing okay. You know. Very blessed. I think I saw Gangland first, which is like a wild introduction to your filmography. I, I remember after the after the opening, and we'll get to the opening, but like <laughs> like the first ten minutes of the movie, and and me and three or four friends were just like, "What the fuck was that?" Like, <laughs> and we watched the whole movie, and like our our mouths are on the floor, and then like two friends came in the last ten minutes and showed up, and we're like, "We are rewinding, and we are starting again." <laughs> So we have to ask the beginning of the movie, Coolio and Ice T. Was oh, it yeah. always there, or was this a, a, a thing that was added? Later? Hell no! <laughs> Are you crazy? Right. <laughs> it is. It is a hell of an amuse bouche, though. It is a great aperitif. That's 
to the film. It's a palate preparer. Uh, not a cleanser. Certainly not a cleanser. <laughs> but it's a palate preparer. Yeah. What, so what happened? What was it? What, how? I tell you, man. Well, give you an idea. Some of these films, I tell you. I, 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 before I get to that, I'll tell you a quick experience of my first movie. Power Within as a director. I'm shooting this thing. And every day, the producers are changing things on me. One of them, for instance, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm expected to shoot at this house. It's, it's a whole mystical scene. And I go to the set and there's like a monkey walking around. <laughs> okay, maybe it's the owner of the house. I don't know. All of a sudden, I'm setting up my cameras and I'm supposed to have two cameras. And then my DP comes to me and says, Art, we can only have one camera today. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? Two cameras. We're renting two cameras for the shoot. He goes, no, the, the uh, producer traded one camera in for a monkey for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, uh, worth it. Is that, where the, <laughs> yeah. is that where the phrase yeah. throw a monkey wrench into something comes from? <laughs> we, we had to stop thinking, how are we going to use a monkey? <laughs> oh, there, it, it wasn't, wasn't in the script. This was like, oh, no. oh, man. I mean, I'll say it. It, it worked. Like, you figure, like, you, it didn't seem out of place. As, as somebody who watches a lot of these movies, a lot of times, like, you see something, you go, that was clearly just thrown in because they had it. That didn't seem like it. I don't know why. Well, he had done, re- he had heard from a distributor that they like animals. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing he didn't count on is that little monkeys are horny bastards. Yeah. He was always like this with a little hard on, so we had to put a diaper on it, man. So he didn't. <laughs> Keep it, or, or else the movie would have been NC-17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, MPAA would have had a field day with that. <laughs> yeah. MPAA. So, that's called Gangland. Um, we, we shoot Gangland, and it was, again, I told you, DeFalco had an amazing, and I, I, he's a friend of mine. He had an amazing knack for raising money and for coming up with concepts and getting getting things. I mean, like, we shot on Steven Spielberg's, uh, Spielberg's, you know, last uh, Jurassic Park set, for Christ's sake. We shot this film a lot at Universal Studios. Thank yeah. you. Okay, uh, we, we were, yeah. okay. we were, we, we kept were going back and which forth. which studio, and we, Between we, yeah. the Universal backlot and the Warner backlot, we kept. Yeah, yeah, and so every day, every day, I kid you not, every morning, the first hour of every morning, it would be like, like student filmmaking class, because I'd sit down with all the actors, okay, this is where we're going, <laughs> this is where we came from, now, what would you say, <laughs> you know, right. we're picking up, the script as we're going, you know, knowing where we had to go. And we had shot the film and we came out short. I mean, it was, and I knew it, knew it, because again, you know, you know anything about films, you know, that you, when you're describing scenes, it doesn't take up much screen time, right? right. So all of a sudden, you know, you can have a, a two page description of a guy walking in the door and it's a five second shot. <laughs> and then I had worked with Ice T, you know, on, uh, on Point Doom. And the funny thing about Ice T was in Point Doom, we had a full day shoot with him, full day shoot, because they, we, we paid a long and late for him. But my days are 24 hours. I don't know about his or anybody else's, but my days are 24 hours. So we got him in a third of the movie in one day. I mean, we were. (laughs) I don't think that's union art. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's wild how many Grammy award winning artists are in your movies. Because between him and Coolio, and then you worked with Mystical and 13 Dead Men. Like, yeah, crazy. Was this just like, do you, are you fans of these guys or is it? You know, I became a fan in Mystical, you know, Ja Rule and uh, Corrupt. I mean, like with Mystical, that guy was fun. That was fun. I mean, because these guys really, the thing about them is that they're very, you, you see them with, you know, with plot heads and all that stuff. But when you get here, they're really great, great, uh, talented artists. You know, uh, a funny story about um, Flavor Flav. Uh, <laughs> he was amazing. Part of it, too, was, was um, 
he, you know, it's his first acting scene. I did another film with him, uh, Confessions of a Pit Fighter. And, and, uh, and, I, and I, I keep, sorry about jumping around, but you just reminded me of the Jump, same. No, no, Jump <laughs> around. Also, you're shouting out like so many great movies you've made. This is great. We, yeah. we just wanted to talk Gainland and we're going to Confessions of a Pit Fighter. Art, you, you brought too much. He, he was his first acting part. He was very nervous about it. He wanted to do good. And he's really never acted, but he's just very naturally gifted. But he's also hard of hearing. He brought too much of the noise. Yeah. He brought too much noise. Yeah. I'm telling you, the big clocks, man. <laughs> Every scene you see him in, he's in a scene with, you know, Armando Sante, who was another brilliant actor. And he's really, you see his eyes, you see him. You think, it's like, holy shit, this guy's performing. He's so into the scene. And But the reality was he's trying to listen for his cues, you know? <laughs> you made reference to uh, your words, not mine. Please don't hit me. Uh, the 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 fat little kid who got bullied in the barrio. Were you a fighter in real life? Like when you did you go into martial arts to defend yourself? I was I was this, this fat kid. I was afraid of my own shadow. And when I was sixteen, I got jumped by by a gangbanger from a different uh, barrio, and and they beat the holy daylights out of me. I'm telling you, man, I got eleven scars here, scars here, busted teeth. I mean, you, you name it. And and it scarred me, in, emotionally scarred me, physically, of course. It took me three weeks to not be afraid to leave my house. But then Damn. I had a choice to make whether you're, you're gonna let that rule you. And, and this, I'm not trying to preach, but I'm just telling you what I went through is that I said, you know, fuck it. I started doing something. Cause I just, I, I wanted to beat the shit out of these guys. I wanted to track them down, hunt them down like dogs and kill them. You know, I believe it or not, I am grateful to those guys. I still want to beat the shit out of them if I ever find them, <laughs> yeah. but I'm grateful because of that, that was that was a big part of how I became what I became. Because I was my, I was, I love my ho hos, I love my Twinkies and grape soda, and, and then another thing that, that that I went through growing growing up is that I, I just could not get chicks. I still can't. I mean, I'm still I'm butt ugly, but hey, that's another story. That's another interview. <laughs> disagree, Bab. Disagree. <laughs> hey, you're in the pictures, kid. You're Hollywood ugly. That's that's a that's a ten in our world, in podcaster world. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing that they can't see us. <laughs> <laughs> Face for the radio. We are not even on the radio. <laughs> oh man, but I'm telling you, man. Between that, getting rejections and and, and getting my butt kicked and and one and then then discovering Bruce Lee. All those things is like the perfect storm. So one summer, I just went to Tijuana, and I swear to God, I mean, that summer I came out, I think I lost some like 40, 50 pounds. I would, every day I would put like a scuba diving suit and run in the forest, or they run in the day, run every day for an hour, two hours, just drenched, drenched, you know? Like starting off, that was that was young Art Camacho's like beginning of yeah. training? Yeah, that was beginning training. That was his beginning Whoa. training. Believe it or not, just get a get a get a get a used uh, you know uh, scuba diving suit that we bought at a you know some somebody recycled probably peed in it. I don't know, man, but it didn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on. That thing's getting tight. You're running. You're running in the dead of the heat. And and again, your motivation. You're thinking Bruce Lee. You're thinking you know those guys. You're thinking, hey, maybe I'll get laid one day. <laughs> you know, whatever. Still. Still hoping, what? still yeah. hoping one I, day. I, yeah, what, one of these days I'm gonna know. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for it though. There you go. We're looking forward to it one day. And then, how did? When did you enter martial arts? And like, what martial art did you? Enter? Uh, initially, it was it was uh, it was Japanese karate. The funny thing was, before this, I had tried Japanese karate, but I was so bad, so bad, and I didn't want to do it. My parent, my father, put me into it, 
And and three months into it, my instructor, the instructor told my dad, he says, you know, he was a friend of his. He says, you know what? Art's not cut out for this, you know. <laughs> True story. I'm there listening to him, and I was, yes, yes, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> the ultimate get out of jail free card. The teacher telling yeah. you you don't need to be here. Yeah, sorry, Dad. I don't want to quit. I'm just no. being advised. <laughs> then, then afterwards, you know, I tried Taekwondo when I was, you know, after I got the mindset, and it was okay, but it just was very structured. Like to me, it was always Bruce Lee stuff. Bruce Lee stuff. And then I happened to see this, uh, this martial arts guy named Eric Lee. He'd been on covers of Black Belt magazine and all over. I mean, I used to read a lot of magazine shit. And, uh, and, and he's doing a seminar at this museum, Bruce Lee Museum in Hollywood. Eric Lee's Bruce Lee Museum. I got to be there. Right. And that was right. it. It was Kung Fu. It was called One Hop Kwendo Kung Fu. And that became kind of my foundation. He became my Sifu, my, you know, your, your mentor. And with him, I've been since God, you know, 20, 30 years. And then I trained obviously in other systems. I'm training with a couple of guys in, in Wing Chun, Ip Man Wing Chun. I was amateur boxing for a while. I trained at the Kali Academy, which which used to teach uh, some of Bruce Lee's system of fighting as well as Filipino knife and stick fighting. And 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 what happened out of the blue, I tried my, my shot at acting. I did this forgettable film called uh, Chinatown Connection, which is a very forgettable film, but I was one of the leads in the film. It was a fun experience. And the funny thing was here, I thought, you know, I, I dreamed I wanted to be an actor ever since I was a little kid. And here I am, I'm there. I, I got a, a kind of a starring role. And I said, this is it. I'm in Hollywood. I, I've made it. I've made my mark. And then it went downhill from there. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I swear to God, because I took I took a press release. I, I learned how to write press releases. I took pictures and I took them to the martial arts magazines that I used to watch all the time. And I said, hey, I'm doing this. I'm doing, you know, doing this thinking they they give me some coverage and um i mean literally you could you can almost hear the 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 uh, what's the paper shredders going as you're leaving the office Hollywood's <laughs> <laughs> a brutal town it is. <laughs> it is. and then i i got a, a, an extra job i i, was, I started saying how do i get into films and so i started looking okay they, they're hiring extras on this, on this film called uh, steel justice I remember that because it was Martin Cove. I mean, I was, you know, gagging Lacey as a kid watching that shit. And here at Martin Cove stars, like, wow. <laughs> and Eric Lee happened to be, the, you know, doing the stunts in there. Huh. So here I am with an extra eating cookies by the, you know, crafters. <laughs> like, hey, Sifu, what are you doing? Get over here with the stunt guys. I go, no, Sifu, I'm just an extra. I said, get your butt over here. And so that was it. He started, you know, he was choreographing. He says, Art, get over here. We need, we need, we need a guy who can get his ass kicked for, for cheap, you know? Somebody works cheap. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was and that was like your entrance into the stunt world ring of fire ring of fire it was just wow. being pulled by your by your sensei into <laughs> taking one on the chin yeah and the funny thing was it was a pm film and and again here's what happens that like you were saying uh, is that i go there i didn't know what the hell i was doing i just was having fun i'm getting my ass kicked big time i'm no pad on nothing kick the chest flying backwards in one sequence the guy kicked me in the throat uh. And, and I went flying back, you know, I'm flying back. It hurt, but I wasn't going to say shit, you know, come on, it's your first gig. I don't want to get fired. Right. You, know? yeah. you get kicked in the throat, man. You go flying back, you're lying on cement because I'm in a t-shirt, you know, and, and it was that take the third take and, and true story. I didn't hear cut. So I didn't fucking move. I didn't want to, I said, I don't want to get fired on my first job. And I thought in my mind, I thought I had messed it up because I said, maybe I, I was in the wrong position for the guy's kick. I said, in my mind, you know, all the shit goes through your head. You're thinking I got fired. You don't hear cut. All of a sudden, I opened my eyes, 
and people are standing around me. They saw me get kicked in the throat. Like, <laughs> dead, you know? oh. <laughs> hey, you're okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> the guy kicked in the throat. You know, my fault. It's like sorry. Oh my god! They're, they're... I'm leaving the set that day with my fifty bucks in my pocket, and uh, and 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 I hear the the producer say, "Hey, you know, we gotta bring that damn Mexican. He works cheap and he doesn't complain." You know, so that's what started it. You know, that's Ooh. even my career, man. <laughs> And what? now you do the throat kicking. Now I get <laughs> Did you feel like this is something I want to keep doing? Like, what part of getting kicked in the throat was like, yes, yeah, stunts. I'll keep doing this. <laughs> this is the way to go. I think so. You could fuck up and they still hire you as long as you don't complain. I thought, you know, I can do this. Because I never thought, I'll be honest with you, I never wanted, I never set out to be directing. I never set out to be doing stunts. I wanted to act. And then when I saw the acting, I'm, I'm okay, but not... I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, I'm not that good of an actor. And, but I felt my groove when it came to fighting and choreography. And, and that's where I felt my groove. And then one year, <clears throat> shortly about two years into it, it's the 94, I think it was, um, Joseph Murphy and, and this other producer in the same year asked me if I wanted to direct movies. And I thought they were just screwing with me. I really did. I thought the first one's like, you know, somebody doesn't just come up to you and said, hey, Art, you want to direct a movie? And this was shortly before, you know, after I had, I, I had pitched him an idea for a tournament scene in his movie because the assistant told me, he says, hey, you're going to get your friends in there for five bucks a day, working cheap, going to get 100 guys, whatever. And he's not going to know what to do with them. And they're going to be there 14, 15 hours. So I was like, shit, okay. So I, so I drew up a little schematic. I still have it to this day. I save it because I, I drew up like a four-page little thing with X's and O's and where I thought they put the cameras and, and you know, in my mind, I was just awesome. making it, you know? And, and so I show it to the guy, to Joseph, and he looks at it and he starts laughing. So I thought, you know, excuse my life. Joseph, yeah, in my mind, I said, well, fuck you then. <laughs> I'll take my, my, my drawings. I walk out of the room. Ten minutes later, finishes his meeting, and he, and he and that's when he asked me. He says, "Art, do you want to direct films?" And I thought he was just adding, you know, insult to injury, adding salt right. to an open wound. <laughs> a week later, I get a call from his secretary, Mr. Camacho. We have your appointment ready. I go for what? Well, the film you're going to do for us. I go, what? <laughs> he was serious. <laughs> oh shit! And the movie that you drew up the schematic for that's Magic Kid. Yeah, Magic Kid, Magic Kid. Yeah, yeah. The tournament scene, the Magic Kid. Yes, yes. Right. And yeah. and uh, yeah, and so then they pitched you Power Within. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh so at that point, was it coincidence that, that that they went that they sort of put you from like one of their kids' movies onto one of their kids' movies? Like it, it's like it's it's an interesting trajectory and and one that a lot of low budget filmmakers have where they they sort of go between very adult, very explicit action and horror movies and then kids' movies and it and like there's sort of like no in between. <laughs> right, right. You know what it was? He had he had told me here's here's how good. I mean, Joe was amazing. He told me, he says, give, give me, bring me a script, bring me a story. I, you know, again, I, that's the last thing on my mind. I, I pitched him ideas. He goes, no, no. Then, then one of his writers came up with this idea because they had another uh, film left on TJ Store, uh, TJ Roberts, the, the star of the film. Right. They had one more film that they had a, like a three picture deal with him. And they said, hey, Art, what if we do this? And this way you can do martial arts, you can do your thing, and we can do this. So I said, great. And the funny thing was that after that one, that did really, 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 really well for them really well because believe me i mean after that they they, they said okay we, we got two more films we want you to do you know right so, they gave you the keys to the city yeah pretty much the second one was little big how crazy is that? yeah it, it is like wild to go from from magic kid power within little bigfoot to then recoil 
and then like a string of <laughs> movies that are just like explosions, like like <laughs> like like like, a, like hours of explosions. It was it was crazy, but Little Bigfoot did so much money. The film, I tell you, was still in post. They sold it on the trailer, and they hired me to to produce, write, and direct the, the sequel, Little Bigfoot: The Journey Home. <laughs> Many Those little movies are big, you know. That <laughs> like you said earlier, you were making. There were times where you were making thirteen films a year, and like through the nineties, like what you and P and everyone involved with PM, like the output is crazy. What I'm most curious about, and you you sort of talked about it, is just like how do these movies? Where do they? How do they start? Like how do they blossom? Like I feel like the movies that you have under your belt and that PM made like throughout the nineties would feel daunting to make if they were planned to a T. Whereas like if, and y'all were making it seemingly. Right, in like 28 days. Going on days. to the next 15 one. Days. Yeah. 15 days. 15 days shoots. And then going on to the next one and the next one and the next one. Uh, but I guess I wonder like you're brought into a meeting and told, or, or like offered this movie to direct. Like how does the process then begin for you? Like what, did you have a filmmaker process at that beginning or was it just... The, the train's moving, I got to hop on. Well, it was, it was a combination of both because, I mean, prior to all this, <clears throat> when I was in my teens, I started, uh, you know, I wanted to get in films. Again, I always wanted to have films, but I didn't know how. And I worked at a uh, advertising agency for Spanish. They used to do Spanish commercials. So my first gig there, they, they didn't have a job. I just said, hey, I'll volunteer. I'll do whatever. So at night, I was working part-time jobs. And in the day, I'd go there. I'd sweep their studios, clean their toilets, and just watching how these guys shot commercials. Long story short, within a year, I was producing, writing, and, and directing commercials. So I had an idea already. Ah, it's crazy. Uh-huh. That's how crazy, true story, but it's how crazy that was. My first, my first gig, you know, between uh, before directing, the funny thing was, it was like a softcore porn. And uh, <laughs> these guys, I didn't understand. I just saw a naked woman walking around. Hey, bring her her, her clothes or bring her this. Okay, you know, <laughs> and I'm up afterwards, and you know, hey. This is Hollywood, I guess. I assume <laughs> we all we all have one of those. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what the hell? So afterwards, I was doing commercials for for Spanish television. They were just cheesy, cheesy things. I remember the DP at the time. We used to work with this agency. He was so pissed off that I got the opportunity to direct. And part of it was because I put myself out there. I really I give a thousand percent of everything I do. And this guy just does what he's paid for. And so I didn't know about edits, nothing about edits. So here I am, this lady who has to read cue cards, and she can't even read a lot of cue cards good. I didn't know about, okay, well, what if we punch in? What if we, I, nothing of that. So, so and the guy wasn't helping me, trust me. Okay, where do you want the camera? What kind of lens do you want? Your <laughs> story, it came out so bad. My first thing is so, so disgustingly bad. I wish I had it to this day because I'm, it's so bad. And so then I learned a lot. Then I, okay, this guy, screw this guy. So I started learning, watching. And so then I started elevating the commercials to, instead of just talking heads, to little stories, little, little, the comadres, you know, you know, the neighbors and shit like that, you know, little fun stuff. So that was my background coming into film. So I had an idea. A lot of it was just, I tell you, one night on the Sands Hotel, the old Sands Hotel, we're, we're shooting a fight and Joseph Murphy again, I choreographed it. I wasn't thinking cameras, angles. I'm just thinking I put together a fight, leave it up to you guys. I'm sitting back, ready. And then Joseph comes up to me and goes, Art, you direct this. I go, huh? <laughs> I we're on the top of the Hotel at night. I swear to God, I wanted to jump. I go, are you serious, man? <laughs> you direct it. Jerry Jacobs, who was a great, great producer now for ABC. He was the AD. 
and he was a director at the time, and he looked at him, Jerry, you don't help him. Art does it by himself. And then he walks off the set. <laughs> was that one of the films that he was direct that Joseph was directing? Yes. Yes. It was. Oh, uh, he He's just tired. He just needed a break. He went it down was, to gamble. I don't know. It was which film? To be the best so with uh, Michael Worth and uh, Martin Cove. And, and I kid you not, he, he walks off the set and I'm there. I didn't know what the hell to do. And I had a DP that just was just, I mean, he was kind of helping, but he really wasn't. But he finally saw me almost crying. So he says, hey, Art, what if we put the camera here, put this lens on it? I go, yeah, yeah, that's right. Put, do that. <laughs> right. I was just going to say said. that. Thank you. <laughs> At least he gave you an inch. It sounds like in the commercials, you didn't get even that. Well, see, Josh, lenses are in millimeters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> see, you're thinking, yeah, you know, if you're going to... Ah. That that was the turning point. Then okay, so you learn how to shoot fights, and then I learned lenses, speeds, camera speeds, and then the next day, even more challenging. He's walking with the camera guy with the grip, and and, and they got a the C stand and a flag, and we're walking to the bowels of the, the Sands Hotel, <clears throat> and by the time he put the camera down, set up one light, I had to have a fight choreographed. I had like ten guys with me, so right here, okay, you can say okay, right here, art, and so he'd walk away. And I had like five minutes, 10 minutes. Okay, you got to put this. He punches here. We got two camera angles. So, I mean, I was rushing. So, I mean, we did that for like 10 different sequences in the film. So, back to back. Back to back. Then when we go to the ring fights, you talk about no time. That was a 15-day shoot, just so you know, to be the best. Right. We had 17 ring fights, and I was three of them myself. Plus, I had to choreograph the other 14. So, <laughs> crazy. We shot them in a period of two days. Oh and my. the way we did it is the first day we shot, we had two cameras. So I, so I would swap lenses and have them on each on, on, uh, you know, dollies. And, um, I would shoot the masters and I'd have everybody in their fight dive, the, the, basically write the whole fight out. So right. we, so each buddy had their fight. So I had literally, I had like 30 guys or something like that. So I had 20 some guys in a room, two guys rehearsing, two guys standing next to the ring with me and two guys in the ring. We shoot the masters. Then they switch. Then they switch. It was like a, an assembly line. Switch. <laughs> you, know. you were the Henry Ford of fight scenes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and yeah. for our listeners, this is on film. Like you're shooting on 35, so this isn't the, like oh, the, the, wow. like you have you also have load times. Like you have assistant cameramen in the bag all the time. I imagine like you have oh, you got like focus it, pulling. Oh God! You have right. rollouts. You have you know everything that can happen under someone's film. The gate wasn't clean, so you have to do it again. Oh, my God. Oh. So the first day they gave us eight hours to shoot the masters. The second day they gave us eleven hours to shoot all the inserts. So I mean, I was like the worst you know, boot camp drill sergeant you can have because I want this to look great. You know, it's motherfucker, punch again, push like a man. <laughs> <laughs> were these the types of things where it was like you you do one and then you had to move on? Like did you have assist like did you have ADs like breathing down your neck just being like we we got two and then we gotta move on because we just don't have the film? In the beginning they did. Then when after they, you know, I, I explained to them we gotta do this fucking right, taking them aside and just kinda, you know, make them understand, you know. Right. right kick them in the throat. Yeah, you understand <laughs> you understand I know how to beat people up. We're gonna get a couple more takes on this. One day one of the ADs, because I some of the guys that I worked with, they were from gangs. They were I mean I got guys from the streets. I mean real guys from the streets who were friends of mine that I grew up with. Just badasses. They're not Hollywood types. They're not, you know, they, they kick ass for a living. And an AD started talking down to one, and I pulled him aside. And I said, you look, don't, please, for your sake. <laughs> for your sake. For your sake. Because 
on the set, they'll respect you because of me. But after you clock off, brother, <laughs> you know? Yeah, then the union's going to come after them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all got to walk out to the cars. <laughs> all, everyone goes back to the parking lot alone. Remember that? <laughs> That's right. Uh, to be the best, uh, giving you that fight scene, was that... I mean, Joseph Mary, in my understanding of sort of, like, cinema history... It's like it's like one of those figures who he commanded an empire. Like he 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 like PM was very much like an empire of filmmaking. And you got I, I you got to assume someone like that is thinking moves ahead. Like do you think this was him like testing your metal? Everything he does is by instinct. Everything he does. I mean, right now he's a very very like a very successful uh, business developer. And in films, he came around at the right place at the right time because there was VHS, DVDs, Point Strong, and the big studios weren't touching these small films. And there was a huge void. And that's where PM came in. Because I'm telling you, man, PM was just chunk churning them out. I'd go to the film markets and people knew, all the buyers knew, okay, we want action. Okay, let's go to PM. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, we, we, we can't afford the Tom Cruise, whatever, mm-hmm. or whatever it was at the time, the, the big studio one. Let's go to PM. Let's go, let's go to PM. So we'll buy this one and we'll buy a couple of PM ones. And so Joseph just developed that. And he shot from the hip. When he saw there was something there, he would just do it. I mean, we never had, I never, I, I, I never signed a contract to direct a film with him. It was always a handshake. Huh. You know? And you got paid. Yeah, and I got paid. <laughs> well, good. Like when Recoil came around, it came out of a conversation. This is our, think of a story. I want you to direct another film for me. We'll have Gary Daniels in it. I forgot completely because it was just us casually talking. Wednesday, I remember this specifically Wednesday morning, I get a call from the secretary. Okay, Art, she basically told me, she was, you know, I wanted to remind you about today's meeting. I go, today's meeting? Yeah, but <laughs> what are you going to do with Joseph? The story, you're going to pitch him. Oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> I swear to God, I am fucking in the shower. Um, okay, there's a guy, there's a gun, you know. And- <laughs> <laughs> strong start, strong yeah, start. That's not bad. That's not bad. And, and, and by the time I got out of the shower and to the meeting, I came up with the idea for recording. Uh, but that was just crazy, crazy ways we used to do films in those days, man. <laughs> an offhand I, comment can spawn an entire film. That is yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. So, so if you were to describe where Joseph Mary can be reached for <laughs> now, yeah, just I've just got, just for argument's uh, sake, un- unrelated. I have I have a couple. Uh, uh, the fight scenes I've been uh, Xing and O. <laughs> That's a technical term, outlines. right? Xing and O and fight scenes. Xing and Oing. That, believe it or not, led to all this other work that I ended up doing after Joseph because, again, it was that same attitude. I remember the film called uh, Final Payback. A friend came to me and says, I got this guy that's got a million bucks. And it's cash. He wants to do a film. He loves your films. He thinks you're a great director. But he wants to, uh, who do you think you can produce? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I it for him. <laughs> and so, so, I, so I was producing it. How do you produce? I don't know. I got crew sheets. And I'm thinking, okay, we need a camera guy. We need this. We need that. We need these elements. And then uh, I hired a writer who was an alcoholic. Good writer, but he was an alcoholic. And these guys were, were, were Italian mobsters. And it was all cash deal. All cash. Oh, it's my, my uncle. Uh, <laughs> uncle Louie did it. <laughs> So, you know, uh, trust me, trust me. You don't go to lawyers if things screw up, you know? I had <laughs> of, of horses' heads in my bed. <laughs> but what happened is this this alcoholic damn writer, I paid him, you know, two, three grand cash to write script. He didn't write shit. Three weeks into it, 
he hasn't written shit. These guys are expecting a script. So here I am. I learned. I'm looking at books how to write scripts. Okay. Okay. There's a guy. Here's a gun. <laughs> Art, I'm sensing a theme. <laughs> it all begins. Life began with a guy and a gun. It's true. That's, I'm pretty sure Jean Luc Godard said that. <laughs> But a true story, I wrote the script, I took it to, to a friend of mine who's a producer writer, said, this is shit, this is shit, this is terrible, what the hell are you thinking? Hey, this is not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I started changing all these changes, and finally when it got to more, this is not bad than the shits, then I knew I was on the right path. Right, writing <laughs> is editing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and editing is a pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> But it, it all came because of the PM just doing everything. I think that there's a bit of a, a conception that especially like films directed by stunt people can feel rote, can feel technical. Where it's like, okay, clearly we have a fall guy here. We want to get him work. Like we have, we have a guy who, who crashes cars here. We want to get him work. Where it's like your movies have quite a lot of heart, have quite a lot of character especially for a move for movies made by some people but like just also in general like it feels like you have a lot of a lot of storytelling in your directorial style while also blowing shit up and kicking people in the in the throat what you just said touched on something very important is that give an idea i did this film called chemist i think sony eventually called it assassinates that film to me was a, was a film about, I didn't want it to be, you know, necessarily like a Charles Bronson kind of character, but I wanted to, you know, you need a good guy who has to fight. Right. And so there's a formula. Every so many minutes you have to have something happening. Sure. But the challenge, and I think where, where sometimes we get lazy, is that we say, okay, well, page 15, we, you know, uh, a drunk comes in there, starts a fight with this guy and ends up, you know, so, so you have your action quotient. And I was trying to, and I try to as much as I can. I, you know, I don't achieve all the time, but I try to make it organic to the story, make it organic to the characters. So, right. so that's what I wanted my characters to go through is like go through those challenges, and if they do have to go through the physicality, have a real reason, like a human reason, right? You know, and even on the fight stuff, I gotta feel it. I gotta feel it. I, and and that's the one thing that I that I that I a pet peeve of mine is that I don't give a shit how perfect the, the technique is. I give a shit at how emotional connect, the commitment is to the technique right even even right now i still teach core you know seminars around the states and around the world and and i teach them i said look it's got to be a, a physiological and an emotional and a psychological response not only when you're punching but when you're receiving it because let's say for instance you and i are doing a fight the, your character no doesn't know the choreography the actor does so the character knows something that the actor doesn't and vice versa and so when i'm going to throw the punch at you my intention as the actor is this is the art Camacho punch is going to knock you out. So the moment that you intercept that punch, it's a physical reaction. And psychologically, it's like, holy fuck, <laughs> that should have landed. Right. It's like, so now I have to, now I have to readjust emotionally. And that's what, that's the same process to me, whether it's the acting, we have to be in the moment. I try, you know, I try. I don't always succeed, but I, I try. And that's, that's, that's the way I am. Just to, to bring us back to gangland for, for a minute and we can digress. Did you know going into it that, that it was like kind of a version of, of Cyborg? Like, was that part of the pitch or was that something that he was sort of like, he kind of like kept to himself until it was like released later? What I thought was he had two films at the time, Redemption and that one. Redemption with Don Wilson and, and yep. Cynthia Rothrock. Russo, Chris Penn, and, and that one. And Redemption is a, a whole different topic. I mean, with Chris Penn, I love him, loved him to death, but that was the the hardest thing I'd ever done. But anyway, 
Ooh. And so I really wanted to do Redemption. Gangland was, I said, I'll, I'll do for Dave. And it's a good story. Script needs work. But I had worked with him on Point Doom and he was very more open. But at this point, he was more controlling. And not in a bad way. It's just you know, reality. <laughs> and so I didn't have the freedom that I needed to, to, to kind of, you know, do all the fixes. And again, the film came out short. We were doing it. And then some of these scenes were so repetitive. And I'm thinking, God, didn't I just shoot this? Characterized, <laughs> 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 didn't we just shoot this scene? Well, yeah, okay, well, let's cut this out. Let's cut that out. And then one night, one night, we we're running so late because, I mean, some, everything that could go wrong did go wrong on that set. I mean, it was huge. It was, again, you're, you're lighting Steven Bilberg's set. You need yeah. lights, you, need, you know. And we're shooting an action sequence. And then because of the neighbors, I think it's like 10 o'clock, they cut you and it's oh, a night. Yep. So you can't do, you know, <laughs> gunfire. It's like, holy crap. So here we are. And we didn't have the digital things you have now. Right. We had to use real squibs or real, you know, real blanks. And so I think one of the characters ended up uh, either not getting killed in the, in the movie that he was supposed to get killed. So all the things <laughs> after that we're going to shoot are with him already dead. And so now all the dialogue changes. So it's like, holy shit. <laughs> okay so he lives <laughs> oh that's that's the exact opposite of what usually happens usually <laughs> like at some point you're just like oh shit bill's having a kid today you didn't realize it like oh gotta kill him off like now they're just like yeah we got like two three more days worth of work for you if you're around <laughs> <laughs> and, you know and then we had days that the scheduling was wrong and the the actor's you know, they wouldn't show up, but we had to, sh- we had, we have the set where it was universal paying thousands of dollars a day. So I'm looking, okay, you double him. So I do scenes like there's one scene, you know, I had to shoot scene, but the actor's not there. So what I did, I had a stunt double sit down. And this is after a big action sequence. And he, and he's doing this and he's just holding his head. <laughs> and so we're doing the whole scene like that. And so then I brought in the actor the next day. And then, then I had him do this. Art Camacho put his head in his hands, then lifted his head out of his hands. And every time he says a line, he's doing this. And then he goes back to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so we've talked about filmmakers of budget movies and the types of things you have to go through. That, that moment, the moment where you go, I don't have an actor. What do I do? And you, and you improvise... Uh, an actor putting his he- his hands and in- into his head into his hands for the master and get inserts of the lines when they show up is actually brilliant. Yes. Like that's that is the truest filmmaking. Like you can if Spiel if if fucking Laura Dern didn't show up when she was supposed <laughs> to see the Brontosaurus, I don't think Spielberg would have had anything nearly as good. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, that, that that film tested me. One day I come to set and <clears throat> this one this one grip, again, this is a non-union set, this one grip, I had done the favor. They didn't want to hire him, but I said, he's, I worked with him in New York. Give, give him a job. He needs he needs to work. He riled everybody up to, to, to mutiny on me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nobody's working. I see the whole crew right there and the line producer talking. I go, well, what's up? Well, they they they, they want to they want to uh, turn this into a union. I said, you know, look at the budget. There's there's no budget for that, and we're already shooting. Who started this? Him, him. <laughs> I mean, my God. I said, you know what, guys, you you're fine. You know what, you're right. You're right. Just get the fuck out of here. I swear to God. At that point, I was going to turn the camera on myself. I was willing to turn off the lights. Yeah. You know, play all the parts. 
Yeah, I mean, I was beat. It was I was beat. I said, you know what? Just, just. Suddenly, it's a movie of people with their head in their in their hands. (laughs) (laughs) Peekaboo, the motion picture. The same thing happened on on another film called Point Two. Same thing happened. There was this one guy who was rabble rouser because he was he was a he was a vegetarian, and so sometimes the you know again the, the person would have to get forget him his vegetarian food. And so I said, I'm okay, go get him some stuff, which is fine, you know. And he was complaining, even though they took the job, they knew the pay. And again, same thing. They started rumbling about, you know, not wanting to work the next day, not wanting to work. And then when I heard that they're going to start, you know, uh, screwing with the equipment that's on my ass, hmm. I called two of my guys, two of my fighters. And I said, guys, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to come tomorrow. How are you for the day? Just hang with me. Goes, what do you want us to do? Just just come, just ready to, to do whatever. <laughs> And, and the truth is, the next day I wore, you know, normally I wear work boots that day. I wore my, my uh, you know, training shoes and I wore some, some, some clothing. And, um, and I went up to the biggest guy and I said, you know what? I understand you guys, you know, God bless you. You know, you're not getting paid enough. You agreed to the gig, but you're not getting paid. I understand that. I got a film to make. So in a nice way, if you have to leave. Oh, and I called that, that night. I called my producer friend of mine. I said, give me a crew ready just in case. So. Physically, I was going to beat the shit out of the biggest guy if he had done anything to my equipment, and so that's why I had my two guys here because we were going to take on the whole crew. You know, oh, that's how that's wow. the, the mindset. Because I said, you know what, I don't mind them. You know, God bless them. They have to. If they they want to quit, they want to quit. But don't destroy my sets. Don't destroy my equipment. Making films is a war. Yeah. It's a war yeah. zone. Was there? Was did 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 a did a did a fricus? pop off was yeah, yeah it's in the movie i went up there and i was i was i was invading his space and i said look if you're gonna do it just 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 leave just leave i'm cool i would love to have you guys finish the shoot but do not fuck with the equipment yeah. do not fuck with the equipment and i had my two guys with me because i tell you man i was ready and that's it's crazy you know when i think about it because my mindset was ready if the guy wanted to because they were starting to act like rowdy shit like that because if the guys wanted to try something you know they would have lost trust me there's 10 12 of them three of us believe me <laughs> more, more than equal you know right um this is crazy huh? crazy <laughs> there's high drama here you brought someone onto the set of uh gangland they uh, they inspired a mutiny against you that a tragedy what a tragic figure well, you trusted them a2 uh <laughs> key grip <laughs> <laughs> uh and the, yeah that was the so worst boy the, <laughs> yeah, the, the worst boy, <laughs> <laughs> the worst boy. <laughs> I, then, I, this is why Casey's on, point, on this is because he laughs at my jokes. <laughs> and then, at, and then on Point Doom, you it was it was about to be like you versus the crew. That's this is it, it's incredible because I do like look. I've been uh, uh, I've crewed enough shitty gigs to know that that's not a great position to be in when you feel like you're getting screwed over. But like that. <laughs> you're right you take the job you take the job uh, uh but it's just like it's so that's funny. a wild west it's, type shit like that, that is, is like that's indifferent that is a different mutinies level. on set are definitely out of the purview <laughs> yeah. of the regular when, working day yeah, when, I, 
if the director's doing stretches and like put like putting a black belt on and being like, so I heard we got some crew problems. So that's a whole other. <laughs> the scene with Coolio and and and, and Ice T, it could have been. Uh, it could have been a brilliant move because I wanted Ice T to live throughout the movie. I saw, I said, you know, I've done it once for him. I had him for the day. <laughs> it was right before he went to go do his, uh, you know, the TV series that he did, uh, NCI. Law Order. Law Order. Order. Yeah. <laughs> that little thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the little thing. The little thing. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, again, he got a good paycheck, and we had him for the day. And he's a very, very good guy. Number one, he's a, I love him to death. I think I have so much respect for him as an actor and then his presence. Same thing with Coolio. I mean, Coolio got to the point where he was literally, I mean, when he's on the street, he said, okay, okay, Mulberry's right here. He's visualizing where exactly everything's going on. You know, it's like, wow, it's so cool to see that, you know? That makes so much sense because, look, I'm not going to blow smoke. It definitely smells like a scene shot after the fact. (laughs) It smells like like a scene that doesn't really know that the rest of the movie is happening. But... Like, they they really did have a movie in their heads. I was very struck by, like, Ice-T. The choices he was making were huge, of course, but, like, that was a very specific character in his head. And Coolio was reacting very honestly yeah. to, uh, to all yeah. of it. And then, you know, uh, Vincent Klein walks on the set, and you forget, I think, your whole life up until that <laughs> Great actor, Vincent Klein, but sometimes, again, it was, it was, it was rough. It was rough getting him to the set. And so I was like, oh, man, we got to make sure, we got to make sure, we got to make sure everything everything goes. What can we shoot around them? And that's the challenge, you know, because when you're working on these things, when you, when you have, you know, sometimes when you can't get actors to the set, you got to shoot, you got, you know, you got the whole crew there. You can't, you don't have the luxury of, of shutting down. And so, man. <laughs> well, well, that's where those, that's where those, those protracted group fight scenes come in, which are, <laughs> Which are awesome in Gangland, by the way, just because the the world has fallen into a gangland. But seemingly the only people who've survived uh, have uh, years of jujitsu, judo. They got karate under their belt. <laughs> That's an allegory on life. I'm telling you, man, we're the only ones going to survive. Yeah. You better. Yeah, we're dead. We, yeah. the four of us, yeah. dead. Yeah, no, no, There's no, no yeah, room so. for podcasters in the post-apocalypse. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's people who are who are trained in martial arts and the people who live in Pasadena. Those are the only <laughs> people who are dead. Well, Van Nuys, apparently Van Nuys, in Van, Van Nuys, Nuys, they were fine too. <laughs> it's, I think uh, the, there's two groups of people. There are the people who know how to do martial arts and their food. (laughs) (laughs) So Dave DeFalco comes to you with the movie, comes to you with the script. He's got it all put together. At that point, was he like, also, I'm going to be greased up and shirtless for the whole thing? (laughs) (laughs) Was that like in the contract? For the record, that was a second unit shot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. That sort of, like that his lock and load suit up thing that was not you that was something that like David took the Camacho don't play that <laughs> so was that like something that he was pushing for that was like I really think my character at this moment should get to punch directly at the camera 
While sharpening a katana, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the katana that doesn't come back. It that makes sense. It's like a unit. Was he the person that was supposed to get killed off and then he wasn't there and he just kept being in the movie? <laughs> oh, man. That, even that, I tell you, that was a, that was a crazy one. We did the, uh, the stunt on that one. Like the car and the, uh, that's the one with the... Um, where he, where he goes through the trailer, oh, yeah. yeah. He drives through the tra- trailer, gets out Get, of the car, and then walks, walks through, through the, tra- the burning <laughs> trailer. He's a badass. He yeah. wouldn't go, only a sissy would walk around. He wouldn't walk around the fire, <laughs> no. <laughs> but is that is that that sort of decision, is that how it's made? Like, even in the moment, are you like, well, what's the most badass option? <laughs> yeah, at times, you know, in, in this situation, it, it was. I mean, in, in, in this situation, it was it was a corny option. But you know what? Hey, it looked cool. <laughs> you know? It did. No, it, it, did. it was no. the right choice and the right yeah. option. Once, once the train leaves the station, you kind of get an idea what kind of film you're making. And, <laughs> and on this one, it was like, okay. You want to do that? Okay, second unit directing. Okay, yes. <laughs> second unit. Second unit, and um, and some of the scenes you're right. I mean, even when when we have Tim Thomas and the Doctor fighting too, man, he's a badass. Everyone's a badass, yeah. man. If you take anything from this conversation, the grease down scene that was a second unit shot. <laughs> it was all. That's we, we, we are we are we are going to edit this and be like, this was all me. <laughs> yeah. It was gonna, all gonna, Art Camacho. We're gonna make we're gonna make it sound like you outlined that grease down shot to <laughs> Joseph Mary in the nineties. <laughs> Editing. You're like, you were like, Joseph, I've got this scene. X's and O's. Was that set up at the beginning where he's just like, just so you know, like Dave's got to get his, <laughs> or, or if, or, or if, or if he got producers cut at the end and was just like, we'll just. We've gone uh, fifteen. We've gone ten minutes without Dave. We'll just slip a little Dave, Dave. in here. <laughs> That y- y'all saw it was y'all saw it was running short, and you said I'm gonna go shoot an intro scene with Coolio and Ice T, and David DeFalco was like I'm gonna shoot some stuff too. Who <laughs> <laughs> will come, come back? But, but, you know, it all fits. But, but in fairness, the trainer thing conceptually sounded like a cool idea at the time. <laughs> hey, it always does. And then when you see, it, it's like what the fuck? Could just walk around. <laughs> no, no. Do you know what though? I I do I genuinely think it was not only awesome. It's it's cool. It's a cool shot to see someone walk out of like yeah. fire, but also made sense for Damien, who the David DeFalco's character, who the whole time is super extra. It's just yeah. way <laughs> like way over the like is is always a uh, second banana to Lucifer. So it makes sense that he's always trying to look cool. Yeah, he's peacocking. Even, yeah. yeah, even in the moment of his death, he wanted to look cool. Oh, I do have an important question. The two girl, the, the subplot with the two girls who were b- being held hostage by Lucifer, did they <laughs> blow up in the explosion or did they escape? <laughs> you have to watch the sequel. Uh, yeah! 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 All right. Applause. Applause. Hey, well done. Uh, so, Art, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want uh, the Video High listeners to check out? Anything that you that you feel really strongly about? I just finished hosting a show called The Camacho Experiment. Yeah. yeah, and that's going to come out soon. I mean, it, it already aired on El Rey, and then we're we're getting a couple other networks to pick it up. 
So that's basically a fun kind of talk show, a little different because we take you behind the scenes, we get to action, we get really deep into to what makes things tick, man. It's a fun thing, the, the hardest thing I've ever done because I produced, directed, and hosted, and fought, and choreographed, and everything all in one, man. It was fun stuff. And just in general, brother, I mean, if anything, thank you so much. Thank you, thank, thank you, audience. Thank you guys very much for, for taking this time to, to talk to me. I really appreciate it, you know. Thank you, man. And, and hey, would you like to um, punch Greg one more time before you go? Absolutely. Come here, come to Daddy Craig. Come here. <laughs> Good wife. <laughs> Papa. <laughs> it's the beard. It's, it's it, the beard. It, it, it it's takes beard. a lot of the blow. Uh, uh, in your ear. Podcast Network.